everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Universe Within podcast. This episode of the show is being sponsored by my friends over at a company called Real Mushrooms, realmushrooms.com. Um, Sky Chilton and his father, Jeff Chilton. I interviewed Jeff a number of episodes ago. Uh, really interesting guys. I, I really enjoyed that conversation with Jeff. Um, and it's a company that sells and distributes medicinal mushrooms in powder or capsule form. Um, I was really happy to have these guys come on. Uh, I think they're very much in alignment with the, the values of the podcast. Uh, as you all know, a big part of this podcast is uh, about uh, plant medicine, holistic medicine. And I, I think the benefits of medicinal mushrooms are, are truly fantastic. And I think there's really a growing body of work uh, that, that's really showing and alluding to all of the amazing properties that mushrooms have. Um, they sell a lot of different mushrooms, um, things you've probably heard of like reishi, chaga, lion's mane, turkey tail, cordyceps. Um, those are all mushrooms I work with. They, they're, they're part of uh, what I consider uh, for myself a, a really holistic uh, supplement regime. Um, and the, the thing I really love about their company, not only are they really good guys, I think they're really ethical guys, um, but... Um, the, the product is really amazing. It's all uh, 100% mushrooms. They're organic. Uh, and, and that's really rare. For better or for worse, the supplement in this industry is, is highly unregulated. Um, and so often when you get supplements, you don't necessarily know what you're getting. You may be getting some mushroom. You may be getting a bunch of fillers and other things. Oftentimes, even when you're buying what may be a mushroom. It may not have any of that mushroom in it at all, unfortunately. Uh, even some of the big, uh, I think even the biggest company that, that sells mushrooms, actually it's not the fruiting body, not the mushroom itself. It's the mycelial, which is grown on grain, and then those things are mixed up and then sold in a supplement form. So not only are you not getting the mushroom itself, you're getting the mycelium uh, mixed with grain. So um, it's one of the amazing things of real mushrooms is it's exactly that. It's real mushrooms. So it's 100% mushrooms, organic. So you know you're getting a really good uh, product. You're getting the actual fruiting body, the, the mushroom itself, 100% of that. Um, and again, just really great guys. I'm, I'm really happy to have them on and supporting this podcast. Uh, so if you'd like a really good product, uh, you'd like to start working with medicinal mushrooms, um, check out their site, realmushrooms.com. Um, and also listeners of the show. Uh, if you go to their site, realmushrooms.com forward slash universe, you get 25% off your first order, uh, which is a really good deal. And I think once you uh, uh, start working and, and tasting their products, you'll you'll really uh, see and feel a big difference. So uh, thank you to them. And uh, I think that's it. And without further ado, here is the intro to the show. On this episode of the podcast, I am releasing an interview that uh, I did, that I was interviewed on, on another podcast uh, that a couple of my friends have been on. Um, I believe it's called Mi Yoyabo Podcast. Uh, I think it's the Shipibo name uh, that the host of the show was given. And... Um, it was really a pleasure to be interviewed. I talked about uh, kind of my history, um, how I got called to this work, um, and he was a really good interviewer, and he asked me some really interesting questions about plant medicine, about my own personal work, about my own personal journey. Uh, so it was really a pleasure for me to to sit down and talk to him. Uh, my friends uh, 
Carolina Pallarda and Sean Chitty were both on his podcast, who, who I both think very, very highly of as well. Um, I interviewed both of them as well. So if you're interested in them, you can check out those earlier episodes. Uh, and uh, my friend Carolina recommended me to come on. So a big thanks to her. Um, so if you're interested in a bit more of my my personal journey, uh, kind of my thoughts on, on plant work and, um, and, and just plant work in general, uh, I think you uh, hopefully will find some benefit from this episode. Uh, as always, if you're able to support this podcast, that's a really big help to me. Patreon is a really good option. It's a website. You can sign up for as little as a dollar a month. There's different tiers you can sign up for. Those tiers give you different things back, things like early access to shows, bonus material, Q&As. To all of the patrons, to all the people supporting uh, via Patreon, as always, thank you very much for your help. Uh, I really appreciate it. It's really what allows me to continue making these episodes. And if you're able to do that, thank you in advance. There's also the ability to donate uh, via PayPal. I'll put a link to both of those in the show notes. If you're not able to do that, um, as always, helping with the algorithms is a really big help. So if you're viewing this on YouTube or Rumble, uh, hitting the subscribe button, turning on the notification bell, liking the video, leaving any questions or comments in the comment section, all those things really help to drive the algorithms to get the show out to a bigger audience. And if you're listening to this, the podcast or audio version on whatever platform it is, still Apple Podcasts and Spotify are the big ones, uh, following or subscribing to the show, and then with um, Apple Podcasts leaving a star rating and a short review, that's a really big help. Uh, so I think that's it. Without further ado, here is my conversation on the Miyobo podcast. Running up from the maze, running up from the maze, running out of the maze. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm doing really good, thanks. Good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. Excellent. I'm coming from a different space than I'm usually using, so I'm just getting uh, accustomed to it. But yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you. Whereabouts are you at the moment? Yeah, I'm in uh, I'm in Lisbon at the moment. Oh yeah, I think I remembered you saying that. Um, so you so how long you how long did you say you're in Lisbon? You're there for about a week or something? Or? In total, I'm here for three weeks, but I, I've got about uh, I guess nine or ten days left now, maybe nine days. So yeah. Cool. Do you ever get? To, I've I've been to Lisbon a long, long time ago, um, but do you ever go down to the Nazare point to see the uh, uh, the, see waves. the waves? Yeah, uh, I haven't. Uh, I, I was running a workshop um, relatively close to there, and and there were still some big waves there, but but I think nothing like uh, the, the the place you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Because I've always meant, I've always wanted to go there just. Because that's the closest place I would ever get the chance to go and see the waves, yeah. uh, and it's just one of those places that just seems like it's it's accessible. But I mean, obviously, I would never go out in it. <laughs> yeah. I'm no I'm no surfer. Um, maybe maybe the little uh, one foot waves. I, I go out in those, but not not something like that. But uh, it's pretty miraculous when you see photos or videos of that. It's it's almost otherworldly. Uh, what those people can do it's 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 pretty amazing it's kind of terrifying but but amazing at the same time exactly cool so 
thank you. I mean, thank you so much for uh, wanting to to have a chat with me. Um, like I said, I had a I recorded an episode with Carolina yeah. um, a few months back, and she kind of alerted me to your presence uh, and your podcast, mm. uh, and she recommended that I reached out to you because um, I also listened to her episode with you, uh, and I also listened to your episode with Sean Chiddy, yeah. um, because I'm quite, I've I've had a long relationship with Sean uh, after I went on my retreat at Saltara in 2000, November 2018, and then I kind of had my own struggles about three months later, and then Saltara put me in contact with him, uh, and he really helped straighten me out uh, on my on my path and really get the process started of integration because prior to that I was definitely just a you know a, a ship without a sail um, and yeah he was he was a godsend to me uh, at that time and I've kind of had actually had a conversation with him last week um, and uh, but yeah so I listened to his episode with you which uh, I think was kind of roughly about this time that you kind of started yeah um yeah i think so, carolina was maybe the third or fourth fifth episode and sean was yeah not too long after that he was yeah i don't know somewhere in there eight nine ten i think something like that so yeah yeah so yeah um always love uh listening to sean he's always he's given me so much wisdom he's always just got something so you know amazing uh, and it always just kind of hits home everything he kind of says. So, yeah, grateful um, to have had him connected with me, definitely. So, mm. um, so yeah, my this podcast of mine is really just about discussing people's journeys, um, how things have unfolded for them. Um, so I've got my... I had some learnings and stuff that kind of came out of my process and my kind of struggles and certain things came to me and like certain flashes, you know, outside of ceremony as well. And I was always just kind of curious uh, to chat to other people's other people about how their path unfolded um, to see about collating people's stories together in one place um, so if you're kind of integrating, you know, you can listen to different people's stories and whilst everything's different, you can generally, you, you always connect to something out of somebody else's story. Um, and especially having people, being able to speak to people that have some real experience with it um, is, a, is a huge extra dimension to these conversations that I find fascinating because you know, somebody like myself, I'm just, I've had one retreat four ceremonies and you kind of expand to a certain extent um but people who have had multiple expansions in all sorts of different directions are it's yeah it's it's great to kind of hear where what things that have happened for them and how things have unfolded what challenges have they uh faced and really yeah, how did they overcome them so uh so just the how I always kind of start is, you know, when 
when did this kind of start, this process kind of start for you and uh, how did you kind of come onto this path? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting question. It, it, it's a question I receive a lot and it, it's always a bit difficult to kind of delineate when, when that started. I mean, uh, probably started at birth or de- depending on our cosmovision, maybe even before that, uh, what was written in the stars. And I, I think my life was quite unique in that I, I grew up uh, traveling quite a bit with my father. Uh, my parents were divorced and I would spend uh, the summer times with my father and he was very adventurous and, and would like to, to travel. Um, and especially at that time, um, I guess without aging myself too much, but, you know, 30, 40 years ago, um, he was really interested in going to very exotic places. So, you know, we, we would go to places like Kenya and, and at the time, like the, the jungles of Brazil and Bolivia and uh, going to Tanzania and Zanzibar. So uh, I, I grew up and he was also a collector of artifacts and uh, he, he's a geochemist. And so he was very interested in rocks and, and also Native American uh, culture. And so from a young age, I was exposed to a lot of different cultures. And, and, and I always found it, on the one hand, very fascinating how people were very different in, in their cultures and their cosmovisions, their worldviews. And then also at the same time, I think from a very young age, realizing that, that people were also very much the same in a way, um, which I think in retrospect it has really helped me with this work. Um, and that's something I can maybe go into a lot more, but, but uh, really seeing people as people. Um, and I think, um, so, so that was very much with me. And then in my, I'd say, early 20s, I moved to New York City, which was, was amazing, being exposed to all sorts of different things, too. And I, I ever since a young age, I was, uh, you know, kind of looking back that I think there was two things that really interested me. One was actually shamanism, although I, I maybe didn't even put a word to it at that time, but uh, something in the realm of, of magic and mystery and, and uh uh, legends and myths and and, and almost like the, these kind of powers in a way that, that I grew up with uh, through film and, and these cultures I was exposed to and also martial arts um, and uh, you know I, I think when I was younger probably had martial arts been a more uh, like concrete path like it is now, I, I imagine that's probably what I, I would be doing. But at the time, it really wasn't. And um, so I was also very interested in, in spirituality and, and all things that went along with that. So at a certain point in my early 20s, I just started devouring books and literature and doing different practices, different martial arts and and yoga and tai chi and qigong and just really whatever I could get my hands upon. Um and I, I felt a deep connection to all of these things, and 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 at the same time, really trying to find this this kind of interconnectedness, this this thing that that I, I felt was running through all of these things. And one of the things that uh, that again really fascinated me was this idea of shamanism, which for me was was part of this kind of spirituality umbrella. Um, but I felt like in all of my practices, I was I was kind of missing this direct connection that, that I had heard about, that I had read about, that, that, that a lot of these traditions seemed to be alluding to. But I didn't really know how to find it. 
Um, I ended up in Mongolia at one point and, you know, also looking for shamans and, and also finding that in a way that's kind of another story. But but even that never really fulfilled what I was looking for. And then at a, a certain point, uh, I guess in my late 20s or maybe early 30s, uh, I just started having this very deep call to go to the jungle and specifically work with ayahuasca. Um, and at that time, there, were, there was very little information about it. it. It wasn't in people's vocabulary or vernacular like it is now. How did that come into your vocabulary then, um, given the time that there wasn't that much information about it? Well, uh, on the one, I, I guess, hand, uh, a very good friend of mine was part of the Santa Daime Church, which is a very big uh, Brazilian okay, ayahuasca yes. church. And so I had known about ayahuasca for a long time, but I, I think something about maybe the religiosity of that, uh, I didn't feel super comfortable. But so I had known about it. But, you know, and this may sound strange to, to maybe people who haven't experienced this, or but, but it, it's a fairly common archetype um, that I've heard a lot, especially the more work I do, where uh, the plants started calling to them. It, it, it would come to me in dreams, it would come and just that word would start popping up in, in ways that I, you know, I, I couldn't explain. And, and, you know, I was also a very rational person, and, and so I would kind of start to write it off. Maybe this is just coincidence. <clears throat> but at a certain point, it just became so overwhelming that I literally found myself on the computer kind of going down these rabbit holes and trying to research. And at a certain point, I just decided I, I have to go to the Amazon, and and it was just it was such a strong calling, and um, and so uh, a, a number of months later, also a very serendipitous event. There there was a big uh, I think it was a a hurricane or something that hit New York, which is very rare. I mean, it almost never happens, and I almost wasn't able to make it. And they made it on the last plane out before they shut down for like a week or something. And I found myself in the jungle um at a at a pretty big ayahuasca center a place called the temple the way of light which was also quite serendipitous because they were all full i was actually going to go to another place and then at the last minute that place canceled and i kind of wrote this place and i was like please you know let let me in and um and i think probably because of the hurricane there was probably some last minute cancellations and i i ended up going there and and that, that was really very revolutionary for me it, it really um gave me that direct experience of something that I had been looking for for a long time, and, and it was very tangible. Um, and and that really led, like, that really opened me, and, and it, it got me very, very curious. And, and I really realized that I wanted to learn more. I wanted to, to understand uh, on a deeper level what was going on, how these people were doing that work, uh, just really ex and exploring these medicines deeper because it was such a profound shift of, of my worldview. Um, it was also at that time in New York, I, I had this deep sense that I needed to get out, uh, probably for my physical health, for my mental health, for my spiritual health. Um, and so uh, that center where I went, uh, actually, one of the last days there, they actually kind of implanted the seed that uh, if I could come back and work there, uh, they, they were working on developing a, 
I think at the time what was called a, a deep immersion, which was kind of a longer retreat combined with different practices, different integrated practices, things like Tai Chi, yoga, meditation, uh, which I had some skill in. And so I, I ended up going back to, to kind of teach that. And then uh, for me, it was this amazing opportunity to really live in that environment with these people who I was working with in the center and, and really go uh, much deeper into my own process. And so that's really how it started. And, and that and I, I initially went down for one year and um, that was probably about 13 years ago now, I'm guessing. And it just year by year, I uh, I was living in the Amazon and, and really immersing myself in, in, in various cultures, learning about the plants, uh, especially ayahuasca, uh, but but really just the pharmacopoeia of medicine that, uh, that the jungle has to offer. And uh, eventually I also found tobacco, which is, uh, I would say, probably my the, the, the main plant that I work with now. Um, and, and also this, this process that I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with, which is called uh, dieta, which is uh, very much learning experientially from these plants. And, and now that's also become, um, really my, my main work and focus as well on, uh, on a personal level. So it was, it was something that, that I guess it's kind of a long answer, but, but to answer your question, it was something that really started calling me and, uh, and, and just I, I began to follow those steps w without really any expectation or thinking it would go in any particular direction. And it's very much organically kind of uh, become a, a huge part of my life. Mm. Thank you uh, for that. Um, you... There's a number of things I'd love to, to know a little bit more about. So the, I guess the first, you first of all mentioned that you were searching for this kind of connection uh, that you were reading about. Um, I mean, in your mind back then, do you have a view about what you thought this connection was that you were searching for, if you know what I mean? Uh, and you yeah. were like not finding it. Because um, I guess it's interesting to think you were looking for this connection that you couldn't ta make anything tangible about it. And did that evolve into a certain connection? How does that compare from what you thought it would be to what you ended up finding? Do you know what I mean? Well, I was studying a lot of systems like like yoga, you know, even like Ashtanga, like the Eightfold Path of Yoga, the Eight Limbs in Buddhism, and, you know, the, these stages of of Mm. renunciation of meditation of, of breathing of, of connection of, of and eventually nirvana samadhi but even these experiential things that that i i i, I heard spoken about in, in a lot of these traditions i mean i was studying a lot of taoism and buddhism and hinduism and vedantic thought and, and indigenous cultures I mean, I mean i grew up a lot with native american culture too and, and just this idea of, of talking to spirit or, or having guides uh, being able to talk to the trees, being able to communicate with animals. And these are all things that somehow deeply resonated with me. Like I, I felt that it wasn't just something metaphorical, um, although it can be, but that there was this experiential world that could be connected to, that could be tapped into, that I felt was kind of right on the precipice. Like I could feel it, I could sense it, but I all of these practices I were, was doing were not giving me that direct connection that I thought was mm. was out there. Um, and when I began 
um, especially with, with ayahuasca when I when I worked with it for the first time, it very much put me in a space of this direct connection of of, of really, you know, and these experiences are all very difficult to speak about and it's coming through my own language, through my own worldview. Um, so I think it's important to always take that with a grain of salt, uh, how how someone speaks about that. But, um, but, I mean, really being transported to other dimensions, to other galaxies, to other universes. I mean, I, I remember looking in the Maloka, the, the Maloka is kind of the ceremonial space, and, and there was this however you want to call it, but this being that was sitting there, uh, it was almost like this trickster um, jungle creature who was sitting in the rafters. And and I was like, that has to be my imagination. And I would close my eyes and then I would look back up and it was still there and everything else was the same. It was, I, I saw all the people. I mean, I still very much had a foot in this world. And yet there was this thing there. And, I, you know, again, I was trying to like rationalize it away and, and like, um, but all of these things, it was it was something that the more these things started happening, I, I couldn't shake off. I, I couldn't shake off the, these tremendously profound experiences. Um, so much so that that I think even in retrospect, I, I um, almost a little bit like in humility, looking back, like what I was able to put myself through because. Uh, I was going through these very, very deep experiences, and and I, I in a way just thought it was normal that that that's what everyone was going through, and I was always quite shocked in a way when when uh, kind of people were describing not having so much coming up or you know different things that were coming up because for me it was very much working with me with that intention that I came for, which was to have this this direct experience of something that I felt was there and, and really wanted, maybe even needed to experience. And, and it very much gave me that. And, and um, so, yeah, I, I guess to answer your question, it was it was something, again, that I sensed in all of these traditions that, that they were pointing towards, that 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 um, that there were spaces, uh, ways of being that were accessible, um, but that the ways I was practicing or living weren't giving me that access. And then when when these plants came along, it, it was very uh, revelational for me in that way. Cool. So I guess it seems to me from an observation point of view that you're starting to get this sense that something's there and you're almost nearly on the threshold and but nothing was quite taking you through it but your sense that was there and then your ceremonies allowed you to take that step through which mm. kind of almost like dra- pulled you through um and i guess you also said about some people were not having the experiences but you were having these full experiences and you know i guess it's potential observation from my part is that if you were very centered in your practices and of tai chi and all that kind of stuff you may have you know freed your flow of energy and you might have a good flow of energy within you which a lot of people that will potentially come to this process will just be coming at it without necessarily all those practices and um, may still be kind of in that kind of stuck sense where the 
the energy is not quite flowing enough for the experience to kind of really flow through you. So it seems like you know, from an observation, I'm obviously no expert. I always talk about things like I'm some form of expert, but really I'm just a novice uh, blagging it. But it seems like you, you potentially arrived at it at the right time for it all to just flow into you. Absolutely. I mean, I, I arrived at it at the right time for what I was looking for. And, and, and these medicines that they're often spoken of as being intelligent. And there's this idea that they're they are always working with us where we're at. And that's why I also say it, it's very important that we don't uh, compare or contrast each other's experiences, because had I worked with it a year later or a year after, also my experience, I'm sure, would have been very different. Um. And also, you know, to say one person's experience isn't better or worse than, than another, it's very different. And, you know, that was my first experience. Um, and then as I began doing a lot more personal work and then eventually starting to work and, and work with a lot of people, I really began to see the intelligence of these plants and, and, and actually how they are working with people in, in almost always exactly how they need to be worked with based on who they are, based on where they're at in their lives. Some people need experiences like that. Some people don't. That's not what they need. One, it's because it's not what they're looking for. Even some people, maybe it's what they're looking for, but actually what they need is something else. There's a deep intelligence to these plants, and, and that's why I think it, it's also very important working in traditions, working with people who are able to translate these things, um, because these are very powerful tools and it's very i think it's vital much like learning a new language to to, to have a framework to, to also have someone who can guide you through that language what are these things meaning what are they pointing towards what to be careful of what to look out for um, these things are very important um, and and then like you said uh, you know so, so that's very important and then there's another reality, which is also very important, which I, I think sometimes we don't like to talk about, which is uh, you know, like I'll often use the example of martial arts. And, uh, you know, I think we live in a in a day and age where one, we want things right away. And we also have this kind of false notion that we're all coming to things from an equal footing in the sense that if I just do ayahuasca, I'm going to get X, Y and Z. And that's not inherently the case. Um, like, for example, I, I practice Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, um, and it's taught me a lot. It's taught me a tremendous amount. Uh, I would say on par even with, with what plants have told me, uh, taught me. But I'll often use this example. I mean, if, if two people show up to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu class for the first time, and one guy is a former, you know, NFL football player, and he's, he's you know, kind of working out every day and he's super cautious with his diet and he's only eating the best quality organic food and you know the right balance and he's doing cold water baths and meditation and and yoga and then someone else who's never looked after their body and has never had any interest in, in physicality or spirituality or any of these things shows up uh, the outcomes are going to be very different on day one of jujitsu like one guy is going to do a lot better now, that doesn't mean um, really anything other than they're also just at different points in their lives. Like what what the one guy needs is also going to be very different from what the other guy needs. And, and again, it's not inherently better for worse, but um, but they are coming at it with 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 different backgrounds. And and so, like you said, uh, you know, these things are important. That's also a, a big part of this work, too, which 
is kind of what you're you're alluding to is is often these plants there was there was a tremendous preparation that went into even before we started working with them uh teaching stories uh, apprenticeships uh sacrifices um, trials to really prepare oneself for when they did begin to work with these plants that they really were in a in a place that allowed them to go very deep um, that's something that that a lot of us just may not have the ability to do now with 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 cultures we come from with with commitments uh, and so a lot of this work is beginning to to cater and also to adapt to to different people coming in with different different circumstances and and, and still being able to work with people with where they're at which is also very important um, but yes it, there is I, I think truth to your observation which is uh, you know, I think in my case, like I was ripe for that experience, like, uh, but it was also in a way like that's very much what I was looking for. And, and you know, and, and in a way, kind of this intelligence that I was speaking about, too, like I had no plans to go back. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it was really a one off thing for me. And yet that experience had that plant in particular not given me that experience I very well may never have gone back and and the course of my life would have been very different I still could have had a profound experience deep healing um, a beautiful experience and and then that would have been that and and my life went in another direction but I think there was also something about the profundity of that experience that was also drawing me back Um, there's a beautiful documentary that came out recently I think it's called this the song that calls you home. And there's something very beautiful about that title. And I think in the way it was like the plants in a way were calling me home. They were, they were kind of in a way like dangling this carrot in front of my nose in a way it had to give me a certain experience so that I did come back and then began to, to go deeper. Um, and, and in that way, I think there is a higher intelligence that's at work. And, and, and that's why it ended up becoming part of my path as well. Thank you for that. Um, it's interesting when you said about people coming to it, that they're not all coming to it from equal footing. And that really resonated with me because, you know, without, I'm not, I'm saying this as an observation that I took on board from when I was at my retreat that, um, and I kind of feel like if you're comparing from size of, of visual experiences or deep experiences um i would have been uh, other people had deeper and bigger experiences but from an observation point of view a number of months later or maybe a year later i did realize that whole like oh we're not all coming at it at the same point it's like you know i shouldn't i'm just saying it from it seemed right in my head that i'm like okay well i'm further back here from where somebody else was meaning that i need to get I would potentially need to get to that move forward to that point to have a size of an experience that they were maybe happening. But I'm I'm not trying to compare that at all. I mean, I'm saying that very abstract, really, because um, I do see that the experience that I had was the experience that um, I was really kind of supposed to have. Um, and yeah, that was just something that kind of uh, resonated with me when you said that. Um, from what you were saying, I mean, so you were saying the, the enormity of the kind of experiences that you had. Um, d- did you find, 
did you did you find you were so ready for that that you were just fully able to go with it or were you was it too much uh and when you kind of came back and were kind of integrating that was that a tangible thing to kind of integrate and how comfortable were you with that process did it shake you up so much that you were like um think that it was difficult to kind of take that in and move that forward or did you feel so right with it that it was like at the right time that you're like i've moved on to this next level do you know what i mean it was very much the latter. And again, in, in, in hindsight, uh, I do think that there, there was an order to that. Uh, like I felt amazing after. It felt very revelational. Um, and again, had it been a very difficult integration, probably I wouldn't have gone back. Or, or again, things would have taken a different trajectory. Um, there's also, there was a certain maybe naivete to me as well um in that i think like a lot of people who continue to do this work um like i was saying kind of looking back with a bit of humility like it was kind of amazing that i was able to do what i did with the the tools that i had um you know so for example i, I worked a long time with uh, the shipibo people who if you were at sotara it's um, I, I would guess you did as well yeah. and you know it was always very funny because uh you know for a long time i was really pushing myself and, and drinking a lot and you know sometimes drinking big doses and you know just really going through these kind of big experiences and I always be kind of shocked because I'd look at them and they were drinking these like these tiny amounts. And I was like, oh, like you know, what's uh, are they afraid or do they just not need much? Um, but also, I think the more one begins to do this work, th there is a humility there. There's a deep respect and, and even a fear that that can come along with this work, which I think at the time I probably just didn't have as well. Um, and again, I think that was part of this intelligence that it, it pushed me. It pushed me to huge places, but it did it in a way that didn't shock me. It did it in a way that still held me and supported me. Um, which, you know, after that, there was times where I was also very much challenged in the years that, 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 that followed, in the decades that followed. Um, but again, had those points happened where I was very deeply challenged had that happened right in the beginning again very likely I never would have came back and again the trajectory of my life would have been very different so it, it also those those challenges came but but at a, at a much later time um, and I think also very much when I needed them uh, at a time when I had done a lot of work when I had had a lot of dietas when I had a much better understanding of the work and also uh, potentially some arrogance, some lack of humility, uh, uh, um, maybe a, a sense of power that wasn't quite in alignment and it needed to very much be humbled, uh, to be shocked, to be uh, overblown, to really begin to understand and, and to work at, de at, at deeper levels. And, and, and in, in, in hindsight, uh, these plants are always testing us in a way, too. Um, in Spanish, they often speak of this idea of pruebas, of tests, of obstacles. And these plants are always testing us. They're always giving obstacles. But they're giving us obstacles that we can handle, again, with the tools that we have, with what we need. And, and, and often we don't need 
to struggle or to have difficult experiences, and then sometimes we do. Um, now, you know, all of that has to be mitigated within the context of a system we're working with. And that's why, again, it's I, I always find it vitally important to work with people who are very good, highly skilled, much like if you're getting open heart surgery, you would want the best doctors, you would want the best environment, you would want people who really know what they're doing. You've had years of education in an environment that's sanitary, where there's support, where if something goes wrong, there, there can be other people coming in to address those things. But within that, if, if the container is set up, um, then uh, all sorts of things can arise. Uh, everything from seemingly nothing happening to complete death, rebirth experiences. And, and, and the, the vastness, the, the, the differentiation between what can happen from one person to the next, from one person from one day in their life to another day in their life to another year in their life, is tremendous. It's it's extremely extremely vast, um, and so again, just kind of reiterating that point of of you know everyone is going through an experience, and, and it's never inherently better or worse. It's it's just it's very different, and and, and these plants are, are very magical in that way, very intelligent in that way that they are able to work with everyone where they're at. Sure, um, you mentioned that there was a time when you went through some significant challenges um were they challenges within ceremony plant medicine spaces or were they challenges within your daily life as an integrative practice or was it just just a whole period of that uh and were you are you able to sh are you able to kind of share maybe some of those challenges or if uh, or are they too personal to uh, the situation? Well, my my situation was a bit different than I would imagine many listeners like yourself who, who's maybe coming down for a workshop, going back to their lives, integrating those. Uh, it, it, it's different. And again, that, that's what I was saying. These plants are, are working with us where we're at, how our lives are who we are, where where we are. Um, once I started working with plant medicine, it really never stopped. Uh, and, and especially in the beginning, it was almost continuous. I mean, living in a place where we were working almost every day, uh, beginning a process of dieting where I was alone for long periods of time in my own work. So uh, it was very much my my life and, and and plant work was intertwined. It was one and the same. There there was really almost no separation between the two. Um, and and so I think to answer your question, it, it, almost all of those experiences were coming up whilst working with with plants. Cool. So from a, I mean from a diet from a dieta point of view, because it's generally kind of like a thirty. It's like a kind of 30-day, I know you have different diets and stuff, but I mean, if you're going through a diet for, say, 30 days, um, I mean, is it kind of more like you're going into, and are you kind of dipping in and out of drinking ayahuasca and coming out, but are you becoming, are you pretty much in a altered state for most of that period, if you know what I mean, even though you're kind of not in a peak experience, but the process of the diet 
is actually putting you into an altered state for a continual period. Is that what uh, you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, to, to define a dieta, because the English word, it's often translated as diet, and, and not, it, it's a different idea of, of, of doing a diet uh, than we usually use in our, 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 our context. Um, but it shares certain similarities. So uh, dieta is a, is a fairly traditional process that, that many indigenous people of the Amazon use, um, and many don't. So it's also not the only way to learn from plants, but, but it is a, a fairly common archetypal way to directly learn experientially from a plant. Um, and that's also a key. It, it's usually uh, learning directly from one plant, one individual plant, to develop a relationship with that plant. Uh, so it tends to, and again, there, there's many different ways of doing dieta, um, but they, they tend to share certain, again, archetypes. So usually it involves going into isolation, uh, either fasting or, or kind of severely restricting the intake of food, often just enough to kind of nourish you, to give you the strength to actually work with a with plant. And usually when you're working with a plant, it's not ayahuasca you're, you're working with one of the the many many plants in the amazon um, it could be uh, there tends to be uh, a number of plants that are more commonly used uh, some smaller plants um, a lot of the the plants that are dieted are trees um, they're, they're probably the, the most commonly dieted plants and it's seen that each of these plants has its medicine, often its song or its ikaro, its, its wisdom, its teaching, its personality. And that by dieting this plant, you begin to develop a relationship with it. It begins to teach you about yourself through its archetype, much like if you had a teacher, each teacher would, would teach you something very unique. And also the way that the teacher would teach you would be very unique. Um, and that dieta can range from anywhere from one week to two weeks to a month to six months to a year. I've, I've heard of people even doing like a five-year dieta, although um, I think that would be quite rare. Uh, but within that, um, often you would then be working with a secondary plant that would uh, kind of activate it. So different from just kind of drinking like a tea, let's say like, you know, I could go into isolation and not eat much and drink chamomile tea. And, and in a way, that would be a dieta of chamomile. Um, but usually a, another plant is introduced that really amplifies that connection, that, that allows you to experience that plant on a physical level, on a mental emotional level, and also on this level of spirit. And, and usually those plants most commonly in the Amazon would be either or or both ayahuasca and or tobacco. Um, so you can diet a plant via the medium of ayahuasca and you can diet it via the medium of tobacco, sometimes both. Um, and those plants would often be taken maybe at the beginning of the dieta and then once again at the end. Um, and again, depending on the dieta, you, you may drink those plants at regular intervals during the dieta. But really to answer your question, uh, the answer is really no. Like you're not in, uh, you use the word kind of these peak states. Uh, so to use that terminology, you're not really in those peak states for the majority of the dieta, really for very little time during the dieta. The dieta tends to be working on much more subtle layers. If you were to have those ceremonies, 
you know, you may be going into a more peak experience, but those ceremonies traditionally were, were very few and far between. The vast majority of the dieta was really you, yourself, and uh, what was what was coming in your consciousness via this plant. Uh, so very much in the awakened state, kind of this daydream state, because you're really also not doing much. Most of the time you're just laying in a hammock. Uh, and then very much in the dream space at night, which is where a lot of the teaching is coming. So um, the, the teaching tends to be very subtle, which is also why you're not having any outside stimuli coming in so that you can really begin to go more and more internally and become aware of these these very subtle thoughts, sounds, vibrations, feelings that are beginning to arise uh, and, and to, to learn from that. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I think what I was, because uh, I think I had heard that a, yeah, a diet, a dieta is over a period of time and it's not like a retreat where you have a condensed bang, 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 ayahuasca ceremonies, but you would periodically have potentially, you know, an ayahuasca ceremony at stages throughout it. And in between, you're having your plants, which is taking you, which is you're then learning and becoming accustomed to. And whether the ayahuasca is, whether that is complementing and taking the ayahuasca experiences into a different direction or the ayahuasca in itself is complementing the other thing. But I think I was more meaning that you you wouldn't be in a peak state the whole time. You would have some peak experiences throughout the dieta to kind of complement the process, but then you would be longer periods of time just having the um, plant that you're drinking um, from the daily perspective, and whether that was actually putting you into a not a not a peak altered state, but a prolonged period of an altered state. Um, but I guess you do generally, yeah, I mean, it seems to my observation, you do generally come into an altered state when you can take out all that external stimuli. And I mean, if you're effectively able to do a month-long meditation and enter into a deep meditative state for a really long period of time and, and take out all that noise, uh, which... Yeah, I mean, I really start, I get these moments where you just, you, you just acknowledge how much all that stimuli is kind of clouding out everything and and almost kind of suppressing the ability for anything to kind of be calmed or for anything to be able to come up, uh, really. Yeah, and, and, and part of it is also... In, in a lot of our languages, we, we really just don't have the vocabulary for that. Um, and, and also, in a way, we don't have the worldview for that. Um, even saying things like altered states, you know, it, it's a very kind of primitive way of looking at the world. Or when we use a word like hallucination or, um, you know, it's there's something about it that's that's kind of boxing things in very black and white ideas and you know i, I would imagine and it's already happening that the, the more we, we we research the brain that the more neuroscience develops as a field 
uh, we see that the brain is is incredibly complex and it's it's, it's actually never static uh, we're we're in an altered state all the time i mean we're never not in an altered state uh, those ranges can can change very subtly they can change very drastically uh, different plants can have different effects on that and, and so every plant we're using in a way to be able to to alter that to put people in a place where they're going to be uh, most receptive to to be able to learn um, so but yeah again you know to kind of answer your question in general the traditional dieta uh, you may only be working, let's say, with, with ayahuasca twice. Like, let's say you did a one-year-long dieta. You may drink it once to open and once to close. And the, mm -hmm. the, the, the plant that you were drinking, maybe you would drink it three times the first three days and then nothing. So basically for one year, you're not working with any plants in the physical form. And yet energetically, it's with you. It's coming to you in that subtle form, in the daydream state, in the dreaming state. You know, we, we go into a highly, highly altered state of mind every single day for six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours every day. Uh, we're in a highly, highly altered state of consciousness. And every night, uh, there's a lot happening. And with the effect of that plant, as you said, cutting out all stimuli that's coming in, going into isolation, restricting the food, becoming very weak physically, it's said that the spirit really begins to open and we become much more attuned to all of these much more subtle things. And, you know, one of the things with a plant like ayahuasca is it can take us to these very high places. Um, but also the question is then, are we able to integrate those into all of the, the different dimensionalities of our being. And I think for many people, uh, the answer can be yes. And, and also for many people, the answer is no. Uh, the, the, the information, the change tends to be only up in these more upper realms. And whereas there's other plants that are working more in these base levels, something like tobacco, for example, or the dieta, uh, is working much more on these foundational levels so that this information can also really be integrated into our being. So again, you know, there's there's a very beautiful story of uh, uh, from a guy named Amico, which is his title, and he comes from a group of people called the Tubu in the, the Colombian Amazon in the near the Apaportes River in the Valpace region of the Colombian Amazon. And, uh, and for them, the story is, is very important. I mean, I think really for all indigenous people all over the world, I mean, including the cultures we come from, I think it's something we've become unfortunately a bit disconnected from, but the story has a lot of power. And in this story, uh, Amika says that, that kind of eons ago, humanity was suffering, which, which I think is quite interesting because we often have this kind of worldview that the world is the worst it's ever been right now and we're all struggling. Uh, but according to that, uh, it was the same eons ago. Humanity was also suffering very much in, in, you know, Buddhism is saying the same thing, that suffering is inherent in humans. And, uh, and these kind of star beings heard this, this call of help from humanity and they transcended the 12 dimensions of time and space on this primordial anaconda canoe. Uh, and on this canoe, they brought with them all of these different plants, these different master plants or teacher plants 
um, because they realized at the deepest level humanity was suffering because we had forgotten who we are and we had forgotten where we come from. And on this canoe, the, the, the first uh, plant in that was tobacco. After that was, and there's various forms of tobacco. There's uh, what they would call uh, murundi, which is the, 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 the powdered form, which is inhaled or, or blown into the nose. Uh, there's anbil, which is the paste. Uh, that tobacco would be followed by coca, uh, which is a very powerful plant. Um, they would often say coca gives sweetness to the word and, and tobacco allows the word to be firm, to be strong. It's like a pact. It, moving down that canoe, you had these plants like, uh, like mushrooms, uh, peyote, wachuma, uh, which he would say are really plants of this earth, plants of the heart. Uh, moving down the canoe, you have uh, Toe, Detour, Brugmansia, uh, which kind of teaches someone how to be a doctor. And then at the other end of this canoe, you would have what they would call the queens of knowledge, ayahuasca, yopo, um, and, uh, and also, interestingly, uh, trying to think of the the word he uses, uh, it's, it's not coming to my mind right now, but actually marijuana. Um, and he, these he would call the queens of knowledge. And I, I think it's really beautiful because, uh, you know, it's showing that, that each of these plants have their place in the canoe. They each have their use. They have their time, their place, the story. Uh, and like any good doctor or good community or, or good tribe tradition it's really about knowing each of these plants how to use them when to use them how to dose them when to administer because they each have this tremendous power this tremendous beauty and so that's a bit of a long answer but but in the dieta you know it's really about learning how to navigate that how to give a plant when to give it uh, what's going to activate it how to prepare one's body, one's mind, one's spirit to really be receptive to that so that one can really learn from that. And in that space, there, there's no separation between um, what's happening with the plant, what's not happening with the plant. In the dieta, everything is happening with the plant, whether we're ingesting it, whether we're not ingesting it. In that space, uh, we're, we're very much connected to whatever the work is happening that, that's going on. Well, um, thank you um, so much uh, for all that. Um, so, you, you, I mean, you said that you, you, are you saying that you work with tobacco quite a lot then? Um, you said, are you saying that that's one of the main ones that you're now working with? Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so I spent many, many years uh, working uh, a lot with, with ayahuasca. I mean, in a, in a big ayahuasca center, but then starting to do dieta, so beginning to develop relationships with these different plants. Um, and then uh, at a certain point, uh, a, a very profound dieta for me was working with tobacco. Um, and I, I had a very, very strong connection to it. Um, you know, kind of like we were talking about earlier, it was very, very difficult for me. Um, uh, I've said this a number of times before, but really for the first probably three or four days during that dieta, I thought I was going to die. I mean, it, it was really, it was extremely, extremely hard. Um, In what way? I mean, what what was it that was, was it a physical sense that you felt? A physical sense was... that I was dying. I mean, I was passed out on the floor. I couldn't move, heart racing, right, okay. pouring sweat. I, I couldn't speak. I couldn't move. 
uh, and it went on for for a long time like that and you know even fading in and out of consciousness um, like very much feeling like I was approaching death's door and but uh, after that tobacco diet, you know, it was also very interesting because, like I was saying earlier, uh, I had worked more with plants at that point. You know, had had that experience happened to me right away, almost assuredly, I never would have come back to plants um, at all. But because I did have some experience, I had a bit of context to put that in. Um, and so even though it was very difficult and I, I was almost positive that I would never come back and diet again like that, uh, mm. after a while I found myself coming back because I felt a very profound change in me. Um, and I, I found myself continuing to go down that path and, and working with that, that person who uh, kind of in colloquial terms would be called a tabacero, someone who works with tobacco. Um, and then going very deep within that process and, and really apprenticing and learning from him of how to do that work. And so now uh, my main work has really become working with, with tobacco and, 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 and dieting, uh, really dieting trees through the medium of tobacco. And that also started a lot with working with Amazonian trees because that was what I was familiar with. That was what I had been trained with, that, that process, those plants. Um, and then at a certain point, I think really being inspired by certain indigenous stories, uh, also by by my main teacher, but but really by a couple of my my main teachers, um, and and also really this idea of bridge keeping of of beginning to to bridge these different traditions and these different ways of working, um, and so really beginning to take that technology, but also beginning to work with plants that, that were more familiar with to, to me, that were more familiar with the people who I was working with, who predominantly are people coming from the US, from Canada, from Europe, from Australia. Um, but more of these kind of North American, European traditions and, and really for myself seeing the power and like reconnecting to these plants that I grew up with, that I already had a familiarity with their medicine. I mean, that, that's also, kind of going back to the beginning when we were talking about how I got started is I also had a deep interest in plants, uh, plants as food, plants as med- medicine, herbalism, really beginning to incorporate uh, plants into my life, uh, being able to, to heal and cure with them. Uh, and then going down to the Amazon w- was amazing, but it was also such a foreign experience and a, a foreign land, a foreign language, a, a foreign cosmovision. And amazing, I mean, it taught me so, so much and uh, and I'm just, truly grateful for that and then also at the same time at a certain point kind of feeling a longing of of taking that knowledge but integrating it in a way kind of like that that myth of like this idea of forgetting who we are forgetting where we come from and beginning to take that and and mold it mesh it weave it back into who i was back into these plants that that again i grew up with that i knew the stories i knew the legends i knew the medicine of uh, and so that's uh, that's a big part of my work now is, is is again working with that technology, working with the technology of the dieta, of of how I had been trained, of working with tobacco, but really beginning to work more with these North American and European trees and plants. Cool, um, thank you uh, for that. Um, in terms of how did you get 
How did you move into the space of starting your podcast? Well, it was something I had thought about doing for a long time. Um, well, not even for a long time, but I am, you know, interestingly living in the Amazon without really signals and internet and all of these things. Often when I would go into the city, which uh, the, the nearest city to where we were was a, a big jungle city called Iquitos. Uh, and even there, the signal was was really uh, quite quite poor, uh, quite limited. Uh, but sometimes I was able to, or, or very often really, I was able to, to download podcasts and then kind of for offline use. And then I would go back into the jungle for long periods of time. And, and that's really how I was getting a lot of my information from. Um, so I, I really love that format and, and just the ability to, to learn in that way. And so it was something that was always on my mind, also kind of like wishing that there was someone out there where I could find information about these plants and, and different traditions and ways of working. And I, I really didn't see that. And and that's when it kind of started coming to me like, hmm, like, well, why don't you do it? Like, you know, who who else is going to do it? Um, but I was just always so busy. I mean, I, you know, I was often working 12, 16, often 18 hour days, uh, seven days a week sometimes. Uh, uh, so very busy and then also without a signal in the jungle. So it was just not possible or it would have been very, very difficult. Um, and then the, uh, the, the whole COVID pandemic came along and uh, the, the center shut down for a long time. It was quite a difficult situation. It's kind of another story, but how, uh, you know, also being in the Amazon, really everything was cut off. It was it was it was quite difficult being there, um, and also in many ways quite beautiful because we we kind of were truly isolated from from the world mm -hmm. in a way. Um, uh, but at a certain point, about five months in, uh, when in Peru, which locked down very very hard, um, finally began to reopen. Uh, I was kind of presented with this choice, do I stay here or, or do I go? And, and again, I had been living in the, the Amazon for about 10 years. Um, but near that point, uh, you know, because also I, I, I had more time at this point, uh, I was like, well, why don't, why don't I start it? Why don't I give it a shot? Some different serendipitous things happened. I, I was interviewed for a couple podcasts by, by people who were very close and very dear for me, and they also kind of encouraged it. So... Uh, at a certain point, I, I shot a couple episodes in the jungle. I think I shot my first three episodes while I was still there. Uh, obviously, I couldn't publish them. I, I couldn't really do anything with them because there was, there was no signal, um, or, or at least very limited signal to, to be able to upload anything like that. Um, but uh, I, I made the choice to move up to the Sacred Valley of Peru. Um, and when I was, and, and part of that decision was actually to be able to work on this podcast. And 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 really, the idea of the podcast was, uh, you know, to some degree, my voice. But really, it was to bring on uh, people that I respected, people that I thought had a good voice. Uh, um, because I, I really saw over the course of, of <clears throat> ten or twelve years of doing this work. Uh, that it was getting very popular. It was spreading very, very quickly, um, which, like anything, has its its good and its bad. I mean, I think ultimately it's good, but obviously there's there's like everything. There's there's downsides to it as well. But one of the downsides that I really saw was was there was very little information and, and very little information coming from good sources. It was often 
um, people speaking about it uh, just from their own experience or people who had very minimal amounts of work and, and just not really speaking about this work from a place of deep wisdom, from a deep place of experiential practice. Um, and, you know, on the, the lighter side, it was just there, there wasn't that much good information. And, and on the, the heavier side, uh, even like potentially dangerous information, you know, like, like I was speaking, like a lot of this work, a lot of this work can be very subtle, very light. Um, but some of this work can be very, very difficult, very profound, very deep, like open heart surgery. Um, and it's really important that I think that people are, are very educated um, because a, a lot of this work is new for us, uh, for people who are coming to it, whereas these cultures where it's being practiced, there's much more context around it. They're growing up with it. There's stories, there's myths, there's practitioners. It's in their vocabulary. Uh, so there's just a much more de facto wisdom around it. But with so many people coming to it without that, um, there's a lot of pitfalls as well. And, and so again, the idea was was to give voice to, to, to people who I knew. And, and I felt I was also like in a very fortunate, very privileged position of working with really amazing people, um, working with a lot of amazing indigenous people, working with a lot of uh, foreigners who had, who had been living in the jungle for a long time, very deeply immersed in these practices themselves, uh, and to really put out good information so that people could uh, could be able to to educate themselves, to be able to learn, to to be able to to have a deeper understanding of this work. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, yeah, I mean. I I kind of came to this just one day because I was just, I didn't have many people that I knew uh, that uh, had been through this experience and you're just kind of sitting around integrating uh, yourself uh, and stuck in your own point of view and your own lessons that you've learned, which has its, which is fine, which has its benefits. Um, and then one day I just thought, oh, you know, wouldn't it? Well, because I've always come at this from a, point of view of caution um, because I was like oh, I went naive, came back was shaken thought oh I've done something wrong blah blah blah, learnt that okay I went through something that I needed to go through um, and then it's more like you know that you're promised a lot of the sales pitches that you're promising, you're being promised this miracle and I know I went down looking for that miracle Um but just then going, okay, well, if that's all you're hearing, then you are just going there based on a mental movie that you're creating for yourself, which is whatever you've built this up to be. Uh, and I just wanted to bring together real stories about what did actually unfold, because I definitely see it like you... I definitely created, I'm always creating images of what's going to happen. But then when you kind of look back at what did happen, you just go, oh, that's actually something real that happened. Uh, and then it's like, it's a grounding experience seeing what did actually unfold. And then when there are some nuggets of wisdom that came out of that unfolding process, I was like, oh, I wonder what nuggets other people have got. 
um and because i called this i called this my process because it's called the me Yuyubo podcast because me Yuyubo is my process in shipibo um and i was always thinking of it as it's it's called my process meaning it's everybody's processes that they're coming to it um uh, but recently i've kind of wondered it's like oh actually this whole thing is in a way actually an extension of my process because i'm actually learning from everybody that i'm speaking to um and it's it's getting all those different points of view and expanding the possibilities out there um obviously there's pitfalls in that because you can you can take that as like oh there's an expectation that whatever happened to that person is going to happen to me um but i do feel like i i don't really f- i don't really feel that like i'm doing that for me i'm feeling like i am just taking the wisdom from everybody and absorbing it and seeing what i can learn from them i mean i'm almost in a way almost seems like every conversation is almost like a ceremony almost that you are talking to that person and they are relaying their wisdom to you you're absorbing what's happening uh you're seeing the similarities having connections with what they're saying some things you don't connect with the same because it's not necessarily relevant to you but there's so many things afterwards and then you go away and then you contemplate i always say you one contemplates i contemplate what we've spoken about and then that's almost like an integration process of taking on board what um somebody has said um i mean i know that my whole process as well over the years has been obviously very much a cautious thing and i've been 5 years now since i went and there's been times where i've wanted to go again and i nearly went on a on a retreat last year um and then all of a sudden start, things were arising beforehand and then i decided okay i'm not ready for it but then that process of going through my struggles about trying to decide and commit whether i was going to go i'm like well that was a to me that was a ceremony in itself um and i feel like oh i've learned a load of things for the next stage of my road and funnily enough at this moment in time i've been going through this process of trying to decide whether or not i'm going to go on another retreat that i was literally this week nearly booking something um but again there's also certain things that i'm like i'm not i'm not sure that's going to happen now but at the same time i'm like i see i can see it that the things that have happened over this last kind of couple of weeks has been a step forward in the process um and i feel like i'm whole well i've maybe overthought it to the point that i'm holding off and maybe it's like it's always holding off for some time that's never actually going to come but it's like i feel it's like holding off for the time that i feel most in alignment to be ready to take that next step because i feel like i'm almost like i've got open i feel like my what's the word 
my eyes are a bit more open. <laughs> my eyes were probably firmly closed, clamped shut before, but I feel like they're opening. So I feel like I, I have more of an appreciation of what could come, but also having an appreciation of like anything's possible. Um, and you can't, and that's the thing that you have to be in alignment to say, are you ready to be able to go with what occurs? Um, so yeah, it's, it's a huge, for me, I know that it's like, I'd heard somebody say it before that it's like some people have to, some people it takes years of preparation just to go. Um, and I feel like I'm on a journey of years of preparation to return. And it's like, yeah, I've, I always end up going down that rabbit hole of feeling yet yeah, that kind of calling um but not yet making it to going yet so that's my that could be my process for the rest of my life and end up never going again um but to a certain extent it's like i feel i do feel like you know there's so much that you get from this what arises in whatever you're trying to process in order to what for me for the idea of going on a retreat and actually starting the process of the reality of it and it becoming real it brings up so much in me that you're like well actually that ends up being a process in itself um and something always comes out of it even though at the time you're just kind of then battling with yourself um but then something always comes out of it and then you just go it doesn't matter that i didn't go on that retreat because something came out of what just happened um so yeah it's uh it's one of those you know you're on the path and you're just like well i'm just as as sean said in his episode with me he says just keep going which is a uh, another one of these things that he said to me which i'm like yeah it's reminded me like it, it's not about the as much the process of what is ta even tangible to explain to somebody uh, that you always feel like you've got to justify a certain outcome that has happened that is going to be acceptable to somebody who is not on this path. So they think if you're doing something, you have a certain level of outcome, and if you don't have that level of outcome, uh, in the perceived sense of what is acceptable, then it's like you need to discard it and move on to something else. Uh, and then it's like Sean also said, like, you know, this process is incredibly slow. In some aspects, sometimes you can get, sometimes it can be very fast and you can get a big download, but sometimes things do take a long time. Uh, and I think I'm more comfortable. I'm never really comfortable, <laughs> but I, I definitely feel a lot more aware and conscious of that. That is what the process is: is that it is a long process, and that in itself is a struggle sometimes to be with that. Uh, to be with the process is uncomfortable. Um. And then you you realize that you've lost the focus of the fact that you're supposed to be sitting with it or something. 
and at the same time you're then lost and going, oh, I'm struggling again. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's just a it's just a funny. Well, we say it's a messy path, but then you realise, well, things are messy anyway. So you know, you kind of think, what difference does it make? <laughs> it's all yeah, it, it's all kind of like that. And I think, um, like any of these things, it, because so much of this is, is, is new for so many of us, I often find putting these in thing, putting these things in the context of something we're more familiar with can, can make more sense to people. So, you know, again, I often use like Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but it could be anything. It could be learning the piano. It could be learning how to ride a bicycle. It could be could be going to the opera. Um, you could go to the opera once and, and have a, an amazing experience and it could be life-changing and it, it really changes your life and you never go back again. Uh, it could also be something where you don't really like it or maybe even get it. I mean, I remember that happened uh, with a movie that I saw for the first time. At the point in my life when I saw it, it just didn't really resonate. And now it's one of my favorite films. There's a huge change. And, and so like all of these things, uh, I guess using the, the example of the opera, you know, one, one could go to it one time and have an amazing experience, and then that's all they need. One could also not have an amazing experience. And we could come back to it, and we cannot come back to it. And, and working with plants like any path is, is something that we have that option to come back to. And... And it's not for everyone, much like uh, any path is not for everyone. I mean, the path itself is not not for everyone, but not everyone is for that path because we're, we're, we're different people. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, if, if, you know, I think also what Sean is saying, like, is if someone feels called to this path, then, then it is a long process. It's, it's a lifelong process. And... And it's slow also in the sense that, that, that anything, any skill you do, uh, very similarly, you can you can have kind of profound downloads. You can, I don't know, you can be a watch fixer, and and all of a sudden you fix your first watch, and it's like amazing. But then someone gives you like a really old watch that's more complex, and you've never seen it before, and now maybe you feel like you're starting all over again. So it's the same with this path, and and it's really depending on if people feel called to it, if they. Uh, if they feel called to return, if they feel called to making it part of their lives, uh, and, and certainly it's 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 unending, and um, you know, and and much like uh, I was saying, these ideas of the story, it's like the the story of the three piglets, right? Do you want to build your house out of straw? Do you want to build it out of wood, or do you want to build it out of stone? Or the tortoise and the hare. You know, these are stories we all grow up with, and, and yet they they have deep meaning. Uh, you can be like the hare and, you know, have crazy profound experiences and, and think you know everything, and but then it's not really integrated. Or is it that slow, steady, keep going back? You know, much like jujitsu, there's people who are highly skilled. Uh, they kind of rise very quickly, but do they have that longevity? Are they caring for their body? Do they get an injury that, that keeps them permanently out? 
Or is it the guy who's very humble, just keeps showing up, keeps doing his work, he's going to lose, he's going to win, he's going to lose, he's going to win, but it's a constant progression. And through that, uh, you know, he can eventually achieve greatness. And even that greatness, it's a constant change as well. Even martial arts, you can get your black belt. But even that is just the beginning of another path, maybe then a path of teaching. There's, there's, there's black belts and there's black belts, and there's a very big difference. And then even no matter how good you get, uh, also the body then begins to start to change. You start to become older. Your body starts to slow down. You don't have the same flexibility. You don't have the same strength. Can you adapt with that? Can you learn from that? Can you grow with that? Um, and so this plant work is also a lifelong path. And, you know, and, and truly it, it's not a path for, for most people in that sense that, that it does require a lot of dedication and, and, and commitment and, and sacrifice. And, uh, um, you know, and so there's also a big difference between maybe someone who's looking to this path as someone who wants to be a practitioner or to go very deeply into it versus someone who really wants to gain wisdom, who really wants to heal, who really wants insight, who wants to ameliorate their lives, to improve their lives. You know, like anything, like, again, like the piano, we, we can be an amateur player, we can be a professional player who makes all our money doing it, we can just do it for the pure joy of it, uh, with no reward whatsoever outside of that relationship we have to it. So these these plants can offer us a lot and again it's it, it's very unique how we come to it and um, so there's yeah there, there's a lot there cool thank you for that um so are you currently working for a, a retreat center or if connected to a retreat center or do you just do you do other is it are you not doing that anymore it pretty much uh, with the pandemic, I, I stopped doing that. It was it was something you know it was a big shift in my life because it was a place I had spent a, a long time about about a decade. And but I also had this calling to begin doing more of my own work, which I had already been doing. And kind of the idea was to begin to to kind of split my time between the two. Then the pandemic came, and and in a way, kind of made that decision for me. Um, but now I'm I'm basically full time uh, doing medicine work and and also with the podcast. So that's that's predominantly my work. And then again, as I mentioned, very much shifting more and more to to working with more indigenous North American and European plants as well. So when you when you say you're doing medicine work, is that stuff that you're just doing personally, or are you saying that you're doing that with other people, or for other people, or leading other people, or being a yeah, a bit being that being a leader of of your own kind of uh, gatherings or something? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think like you said, with with people for people. Uh... Uh, leading other people um, really through this process of, of doing dieta. Um, and again, uh, mainly, <clears throat> well, at first with Amazonian plants and, and more and more with, with North American and European plants. The medium that I predominantly work with is through tobacco. So the dieta, the, the medium that people really connect deeply with is is with tobacco. It's really what amplifies, what uh, what heightens the connection, which allows people to really learn experientially from the plant that they're working with cool so um so how do people how would people find you uh for 
you've got the universe within a podcast, which is on all the platforms and stuff. Uh, how would they find you for the kind of plant uh, medicine stuff work that you do? Yeah, the, the the podcast is the Universe Within podcast. It's on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, a lot of these. Um, the 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 plant medicine work I do. I have a website which is uh, nicotianarustica.org. It's actually the the Latin name for tobacco, Nicotiana rustica or rustica. Um, yeah, and that has. A lot of information about the work I do, about what is a dieta, what is working with tobacco and trees look like, uh, upcoming retreats that we have, kind of how we're working, where we're working, all, all of these things. That, that has a lot of information, yeah. Cool. Excellent. Um, so, yeah, I'll definitely put um, all that stuff uh, in the show notes uh, for whenever uh, for whenever this, get, this gets published. Um, so... Yeah, I just wanted to. Uh, yeah, I, w- I want to really thank you for taking the time to uh, to speak to me and uh, and have the conversation. It's it's been really amazing. Um, yeah, I've learned so much uh, from things that you've said, uh, and yeah, it's just exactly the kind of conversations that I love having um, on this. Uh, so definitely, yeah, and the fact that you were you were uh, recommended to me by some dear friends of mine because 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 Carolina was the um, director of retreats for the retreat that I was on so she led us uh, through uh, the whole retreat and the ceremonies and stuff so yeah she's a very special person uh, to me and being able to have had the conversation with her as well which has just been just been amazing especially so seeing her prior to my experience and then me going through my process and then speaking to her again on kind of like the other side of the phase one to three or whatever it is uh, it's it's continuous once so uh, but yeah I just definitely want to thank you so much uh, for your time uh, it's been it's been really great great to t- to talk to you and uh, and I'll let you uh, I'll let you get get on with your with your day well thank you very much for having me on um, Carolina yeah she she's a very dear friend we we worked together for for many years uh, at the same place I mentioned in the beginning and uh, and Sean's a great guy. I'm very close to Sean as well. We we actually live quite close to each other, uh, and we, we also do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu together. So I'll 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 see him in the coming days as well. And I've been gone for a while, so hopefully uh, hopefully he goes easy on me when I go back. But uh, yeah, they're they're, yeah. they're wonderful people, and uh, and I think it's great what you're doing, having having people like that on. Uh, it really is servicing this work and and, and this community and, and and really just the the knowledge of plants they're 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 both beautiful people and they've been involved in this work for a long time and 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 i think they both have a really important voice different voice unique voice but they're they're very beautiful people and they have a a lot of wisdom that that comes from experience and and that's really important so it's it's great you're having people like that on and and i thank you for having me on too um, it's uh, it's been a pleasure to connect to you and and like I said it, it seems like you're doing beautiful work so I, I really commend you on that and congratulate you and I, I hope you keep it up and I wish you the best in your journey whether you you go back to working with with plants or not uh, you, you seem like you're in a good place so I, I'm sure everything will unfold beautifully for you thank you very much um 
brilliant thank you so much um and i will let like i say i'll let you get on with the with the rest of your evening which is actually getting quite short now normally i'm speaking to people over the pond mm. and then they've got the rest of the day ahead of them but uh you'll be you're the you're the same as me pretty yeah. much um well it's been a pleasure cool. thank you very much for having me come on i, I appreciate it thanks so much catch it's you later. been a pleasure yeah take care all the best to Cheers. you speak to you later bye bye all right, everyone, that's it. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, as I was saying, it was a pleasure for me to to be on that podcast and, and be interviewed. Um, I, I hope you gained something from it. Uh, as always, if you're able to support this podcast, that's a really big help to me. Patreon is a really good option. Uh, it's a website, a subscription service. You can sign up for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, there's different tiers you can sign up for. Those tiers give you different things back. Uh, I really like that website because it works on this idea of reciprocity. So if you feel like you're gaining something from this podcast, that's a really big way to uh, to get back. Um, with those different tiers, there's things like early access to shows, bonus material, Q&As, um, and to all of the people helping, supporting via Patreon, I really appreciate your help. It's really what allows me to continue to make these episodes. Um, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. If you're not able to do that, as always, helping with the algorithms for the podcast is a really big help. So if you're viewing this, uh, whether that's on YouTube or Rumble, subscribing to the show, turning on the notification bell, liking the video, uh, those things really help to drive the algorithms. And then if you're listening to this on the audio version or the podcast version, uh, still Apple Podcasts and Spotify are the big ones. So uh, following or subscribing to the show. And then with Apple Podcasts, uh, leaving a starred rating and a short review is also really helpful. Um, my next episode I'm hoping is going to be with one of my first teachers, a, a really fascinating guy named, uh, Dr. David Jubbs. Uh, I'm hoping to bring him on. It's been a little challenging trying to coordinate and set things up, uh, especially with the technological end. Um, but I hope to bring him on. And then after that, uh, I'm not exactly sure my following guests, but as always, I hope to bring on some really fascinating people. Uh, so I hope this, uh, finds you all well. I hope you gain something from this episode. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for the support and I will see you all on the next episode. Thank mm-hmm. you.